Welcome to another episode at the Be Guided and Be Great podcast, where being intuitive is understood and being sensitive is a good thing. I'm your host, Kate St. Clair. Okay, welcome to episode 73. And this episode is titled, How to Know When You're Experiencing an Exit Point. So I have to just say up front that I'm going to be very uh, matter of fact about it because I have to. <laughs> and I can speak about this with ease because I've been having to answer the question, why did my loved one die for nearly 20 years now? And I have learned to be bold in the face of that question and simply ask the guides. So everything that I talk about today is it's information that's come through me from guides from, you know, hundreds of people uh, over the course of my career, thousands of people even over the course of my career, that there's a consistency with the guides and the different people. And when I have to ask and look at that guide, why did their loved one die? I've had to answer those questions. So I'm going to say it matter of factly, because there is a matter of factness about why we're even here as souls. So I kind of want to give that big, broad bird's eye view. And then I, I completely as a human, you know, as a soul, just like you having a human experience, uh, I'm in no way suggesting that I would be any more graceful or gracious when, when I myself go through uh, exit points and or if I have to witness one of my loved ones going through that. And so we, I definitely am going to tell some stories because it's very abstract. It's a very big abstract concept and so I really want to tell a couple of stories just to really humanize it for you and relate to you and just kind of wanting to encourage you to, if you haven't already, just kind of begin that conversation with yourself on life and death because you, you know, whether you're a parent or a sibling or taking care of elderly um, parents, this, these questions come up for you and they get asked of you. And so this is this talk of exit points, you know, a lot in my profession, I do get a lot of the older clientele um, where that's really in my face, like my husband is, you know, and I, I have to look back and look to the guides and then look back at my client and answer these questions. Okay, your loved one is at an exit point. And they, they know, it. like I could say 100% of the time, no one's surprised when the talk of exit points comes up in our private sessions. They're always aware of it, which is one of the most beautiful things to me um, because the, the knowledge of exit points is that you too know that. You too are prepared by that. And we're going to talk about why and how that happens. But no one's ever surprised. Everyone always knows that what I just said to them, even though I was scared to say it out loud, because I feel like it's a scary um, word to say. It's a scary reality. I don't know if because my clients trust me or, or just the grace of heaven that that they have the grace to go through this exit point with a loved one. And it's also watching our loved ones go through exit points, if not take an exit point is so much harder for us than we are going through them ourselves. Um, so let's see, where shall we start? I think the best place is I write about this in chapter 15 of Be Guided and Be Great book. It's um, titled Life Chart. So exit points are points that we put in our life chart where we as a soul decide these are the maybe five 
I've seen people with like 12, which really puts families through hell. <laughs> but they're like, okay, I'm going to put in these life charts. And maybe at this point, I could just go ahead and go home to heaven. You know, when I, if I say go home, I'm often referring to just, I'm just going to go back to heaven and everybody will be okay. And I'll see you when you get here. Kind of, we're kind of really casual when we're making these life charts because we make these life charts in heaven before we come into life. We make them with our families. We make the life charts with our friends. We make life charts with people that will do something weird to us. 30 years down the line because what they did to us will help us grow, help us learn, help us have compassion, help us open our hearts. There's, we build in sort of these moments, big monumental moments. There's a life chart moment there um, where we agree to these moments that change us or our families forever. And so there's preparation and grace for these moments. And then we get into life and it's, you know, a small version of hell often. And we don't want the lesson. We don't want this to be happening. Uh, but to, to rest assured, 99% of the time, these were all contracted in that life chart. So uh, the first story I just kind of want to tell to when I really had to, like I watched this go down in my clients and I had, like I said, I had to always answer these just horrific questions of why is my loved one dying? Why did my loved one get cancer? Why did my daughter die in that car accident? I mean, just really hellacious sort of moments that I share with people in time trying to bring light and certainty to my clients so that they can get to the most profound step of exit point, which, was the, which is the acceptance of it. So for me as a mama, my son was like three years old, maybe four-ish at the time. And he just had kind of, he was in preschool, but all of a sudden he was like breathing really weird, really big belly, struggling breaths. His chest was pumping up and down. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to be taking you to the pediatrician today. I wasn't really, I, I wasn't, even as a psychic, I was like, oh yeah, there's, he's going to the doctor today. I mean, this is happening, but I wasn't, I wasn't freaking out totally. So I, it was, I think I had to wait like three hours to get him to the pediatrician. And he had, um, let's see, he was about four. And for some reason, his sister was with us that day. Maybe they were home from school. I can't remember what was going on, but... Um, we get down to the pediatrician and she puts that little um, monitor on his finger and this was just the nurse at the time and she got up abruptly and then went and got the doctor and then they weren't talking to me which really started to get me to panic um, and they're doing more tests and they're really checking and so finally the doctor turns to me and she's like you need to get your daughter to somebody else your son's going to go to the hospital right now to the emergency room do you want to drive him do you want me to have an ambulance come he needs to be hospitalized as soon as possible you know and that, that was way more than my brain could take um, and I didn't really have any help for my daughter at the time so I was like she's going to be along for the ride whatever the hell is going on here and so she's like call your husband you need to go to the emergency room right now he needs to be hospitalized so I call my husband, like, meet me at the hospital. I'm taking him, you know, we're coming up. He needs to be hospitalized. I'm trying to just keep my shit together. And so we get there and it's like the hospital already knew what to do. They got him a room. They got him on all this oxygen and his blood oxygen was, they later told me that his oxygen level was like, had it gotten like 2% more, um, less, he could have had a heart attack. 
So the like my you know as we do when we're at exit points, our, we can't think. We can't think our way through these moments, and they're beyond terrifying. And so I was several years into my profession at the time. So all I could do was talk to my guide. All I could do is be guided, and that's you know one of the things we'll talk about today because I don't know how I could have got through that moment if not for my guides. So. How does this look? You know, I'm asking the guide, why is this happening? The response, he's at an exit point. That was the last thing I wanted to hear. What do I need to do? How do I need to talk to him to make him stay? You need to make sure he has a reason to stay. Don't put on him. You need to stay for mommy. I can't live without you. You know, he was really little. There's that language would have just probably freaked him out. So I was very... um, and he's psychic too, so he can see right through me. But I did try to just be a little more playful with him and just talk about our family and in the future, like trips we'll take, things he'll do as a soul, the difference he'll make while on earth. Um, just really planting these seeds of you, why he's important, why he would want to stay. And I tried really hard not to make it about me because... I just, of course, like any parent, could not live without him. So to be guided to have specific language was beyond helpful because my instincts was uh, contrary (laughs) because of my fear, right? So, um, you know, that's how I tried to talk to him. Now, also, my husband really just shuts down. That's how he deals with regular stuff sometimes. I mean, let alone, you know, his son is at an exit point. So, of course, I didn't share that information with him. Um, but he could not be there for me. Uh, so when I was really getting lost and scared and feeling like I had nowhere to turn, he's not here for me. There's no, no nothing I can do. The guide said, he doesn't have to be. You have us. And what he needs right now is to connect with his son. Because unlike you, I got to carry him in my body and grow him. I get to raise him. I get to make my career around him where my husband did not have, does not have that luxury. And so I very much realized this exit point was as much for my husband as it was for my son. So with the trust I had from my guides at the time, I was able to back off my husband's back, try to be there for him as best as I could, even in in my fear, and really understood that they needed to connect um, or they may never connect. And that would be on my husband because as a soul, my child could connect easily. He was a really old soul. He is a really old soul. He's still with us. And this was absolutely an awakening for my husband, a heart opening for my husband, an opportunity to connect with this boy, where I think it's easier for him to connect with girls. um, Because, you know, it's just kind of different uh, father-son relationships. They're just different, right? So that night, of course, I was like, I'm staying the night, like I'm not leaving his side. And I got very clear instruction to go home with our daughter and let my husband stay the night. And as a mother, I just couldn't do it. I I was so scared because what if he left and I wasn't there? Like I couldn't live with myself. But my guides assured me he'll be here. And this is that important. This is that important that your husband be alone with him through the night. This is important for them both on a soul level. 
and I obeyed. I just, I went ahead and took my daughter who was probably only like six or seven at the time. And we went home and we took the dog outside, took care of the house best as I could, cried and bargained and tried to talk to him telepathically, you know, clairaudiently. And let me tell you, when I, I got to the hospital as early as I could in the morning with coffees, trying to act like no big deal, <laughs> you know, hey, we're just chilling in the hospital. They were both smiling and laughing together. My husband and my son were laughing and I could tell that a profound healing and connection occurred throughout the night. So I just truly by the end of the day, I think it was almost okay. Um, and, and I feel like the medical professionals were so comfortable with what his, it, it was, um, an, like an asthmatic attack possibly triggered by, um, you know, being allergic to something, but they were super cool about it. They were very confident and calm about it. Even though I felt like the way my pediatrician had handled it just scared the absolute shit out of me. But by the time we got to the hospital, they were pretty much cool, um, cool and collected about the whole thing. So I share that because if I didn't, uh, me, I've just experienced so much trauma and I was a hundred percent mother. I, I, my whole life was, or is, and was around my children and I had the belief system. I can't live without them. So I easily go off the rails when something happens to my children, um, where I had to, if not for my ability to connect with the guides, I'd already put in several, you know, years of actively cultivating trust for that birth guide and that birth guide helped me navigate literally moment by moment in the exit point of my son uh, like I said he was three or four years old at, at the oldest the second exit point that I think so many of you can relate to is the exit point of my grandmother. She had had several exit points before. I mainly got to hear about them. Most of them had actually happened before I was born. Her mother took an early exit point when my mother, my grandmother was only 12. My mother's father took an early exit point when she was only eight. So we do have a long line of family taking early exit points, which we're going to talk about why they do take those early exit points. But for now, I'll just keep kind of telling this story. When my, um, I was living in Seattle at the time, and I, my grandma was like 62 when I was born. So I, I have a ton of cousins and my oldest cousin is four years younger than my eldest aunt. <laughs> so I have cousins that are as old as my aunts. Um, so I, I was, I very much, you know, I was raised by my grandmother. I was raised with her. My mom did have a house across the street from my grandma. So my mom was never home. So we were always at grandma's house. We spent every single holiday with my grandma. I mean, in many ways she t was my mother and I'm living in Seattle and I, even though I didn't speak this language like I do now, but I, I very much felt I needed to move back home because I didn't have much more time with my grandmother. And so I moved back in July and I do notice that for the first time, she's actually trying to give stuff away where I have a dec depression era grandma. I mean, she did not want to give nothing away. You know what I mean? Like she shopped at St. Vincent's, uh, because she, that's her way that she felt like she could help the poor, you know, is through going to the secondhand stores where they donated to the poor. Uh, so even that type of stuff, I mean, she was really like, I did not want to give that stuff away to you. I had had a 
pull teeth. There was a stage I went through where I wanted a lot of her old, beautiful blouses, and that was tough to get from her. <laughs> so, you know, very much depression era, very much raised us depression era thinking. Um, but when I got back to my hometown in July, she was like, photo album, take it. You know, beautiful blouse, take it. Oh, do you like that? Take it. So there's a this was very new behavior um, that sort of validated the, the feelings I had, let's say. Again, I didn't understand how telepathic or clairaudient or clairvoyant or clairsentient. I didn't understand any of this really when I was going through the exit point with my grandma. But again, we can say, all of us can say, I really had a feeling. And I did. I had a feeling that she was not going to be with us much longer. So we are planning like a family reunion for that July. And she just had like a happiness and a generosity about her that was again not very common in her by september she had her stroke and the doctor with all his wisdom thank god said you have five days with her so for five days we sang we held hands we prayed we did everything we could as a family as normal as we could with her because when we stopped singing or when we stopped laughing, her blood oxygen would just go crazy. You know, her breathing would go crazy. But as long as we were talking, as long as we were singing, praying, she was perfectly, perfectly happy. Though we knew we only had those five days. And sure enough, and the night on the fifth day, I had a brand new job. I just moved back to my hometown. I had to get home and get to sleep. And that's when she took her exit point. That's when she left. So the 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 beauty of the knowledge of you know one of the most profound things our intuition does is lets us know and because it lets us know we can take action so we no longer have regrets like shit i felt like i should have been home but i was so rational i just thought oh i'll see him later i'll talk to him like so many people have that guilt so many people knew they got the guidance they didn't follow it and they missed the opportunity and so I got to be there. I was living there. There were burdens of having just moved there, but nonetheless, I got to be there for her final exit point. And I just was so grateful, so grateful um, that I got to participate in one of the most beautiful chapters of my life was those five days bridging heaven with my grandmother. And I just as a little side note, I have to say my my grandmother actually did go for a walk in her pasture where she did have the, the first stroke. And because she held such a rigid routine, my aunt and uncle who lived across the way, they kind of, my grandma had all this property and I we lived kind of across the street. My cousins lived, you know, before when I was younger, we lived across the street. Um, we'd all moved away since then, but my aunt and uncle still lived across the way and they got guidance. She wasn't back. They went down to the pasture. They found her. They got her to the hospital and they had some guilt that they felt like they maybe took the actual exit point away from her. And for me, I it's like, how do you say you gave us five days with her? You, you know, the sudden crossing is so much harder than the the gift of five days, man. I mean, it was just beyond like, so there was that mixture of emotion where she, uh, my, my aunt on some level felt like her going to sleep on her land would have been what my grandma wanted. But I guess maybe I'm a little bit more selfish. I feel like now she was happy with the <laughs> five days, making sure the family could come together and um, sing and pray.
pray together before she left us that final time. And the opposite is um, another exit point story, but sort of had the, there's an, an opposite effect, if you will. So my other grandmother, uh, just after my, my other grandmother passed away, my other grandma was diagnosed with cancer. And as the story goes, because I was not as close to that grandmother, but what I hear from stories of family, my aunts have told me things. Um, when my grandmother was initially, they took her to the hospital for the diagnosis. The doctor came out and said, we found the cancer. And of course, my aunt and my my aunts, because my dad has several brothers and then two sisters, they started to cry. And they're very my my grandmother that grandmother was also in montana but she was married to a southern man so the family was by all means and sort of culturalistically led as a southern family and so my grandpa as the story goes looked at my aunts and said don't you dare go in there crying you know you keep your shit together don't let her know you're afraid or scared you don't get to see her until you stop crying right we were very much raised to never cry and never show weakness or emotion okay again like this is a whole other conversation but that's what they were instructed at the time so how that family then deals with pain is through humor terrible humor is my opinion Sorry, family, but nonetheless, they kind of make jokes and like make light of really scary situations. So that's what they did. They, they come into my grandma's room. She was just diagnosed with cancer and the girls are joking and laughing. And what message that sent to my grandma is, oh, okay. And again, I, I only piece this, this part together by talking to my grandmother on the other side as a medium. So the message my grandma got was, oh, you guys will be okay without me, you know? Nobody's sad. It'll be okay. You guys are fine. So really, she got the diagnosis. The medical profession put her through hell, taking body parts and chemo. And she left um, not much time. She she was able to go ahead and cross over to heaven. Um, so there was, there was so much sorrow. And w- what was put together later, again, through talking to guys, through talking to my aunts, through talking to my grandma on their other side was... There was actually another exit point my grandmother, that grandmother could have taken in the future had she got the message that she should have stayed, that they needed her. I mean, she was a mother. That's what she did with her whole life. That's what she still did to her adult children was mother them. And, you know, in that pivotal moment, there was nothing to fight for because she got the message that it's really no big deal if she just went ahead and went home, went to heaven. So when we're talking about exapoints, these are sort of the themes of what comes up for literally every single one of us. Um, When we know what exit points are and we begin that process of learning how our intuition works, you know, learning how those clairs work within us and we develop, which is my absolute passion, which is what I teach my students, my mentorship students, is to have a relationship with that birth guide because when shit hits the fan, you need to already know what their voice sounds like. You need to already know how your clairs work. So when you're scared out of your mind, you already have the muscles, the attunement, the knowledge, and the trust because the trust takes so much longer than everything else that what they say to you is 100% true for you. 
right? I've shared many times the stories of not trusting my guides. If she said left, I go right. And really just getting my ass kicked <laughs> over and over and over by life because I didn't trust her. I wouldn't always do what she said. And again, so that, uh, you know, if there's like a why learn your intuition, I mean, of all things, these exit point moments are by far the most critical and beautiful you know, intuitive navigational tools we can possibly have is our intuition. Your family's going to heaven. Your intuition is the language of heaven. You know, your family is maybe being supported by loved ones. Wouldn't that be amazing for them to know you can go home? You know, you can go see your 10 sisters. You can go see your mother that you haven't seen for 40 years. I mean, the grace of just all of it that we can maybe channel and have our hearts open to override our own selfish desires, which are completely human desires. I mean, you know, I'm not pretending if something bad happened to my immediate family or my loved ones that I wouldn't fight like hell or be super pissed that they took the exit point, you know? So, you know, it's, it's okay to have both. Like if my son had taken the exit point, I'm not suggesting because I was helped and navigated through it, um, that I wouldn't be a basket case today. But what I can say is I was helped and guided through it that would be an absolute fact, um, no matter what the outcome. So that's indisputable, whether I liked it or not, which is so much about spiritual work and intuition is about, it doesn't matter what our belief system is. It is, it is what it is. And so often, it, it, so many things are out of our control. And so to, for me to, I need to understand stuff with my brain so that my heart can heal. Without that, it's really, really hard for me personally to heal. So Let's go ahead and talk about um, if somebody is, if somebody, let's just, I think this is really important because again, people come to me, they pay me a lot of money to answer these questions. Like, why did somebody take an exit point? Okay. So many, I have so many friends that are young, they're still very young and their moms or their dads are crossed over. So for sure, I've seen generationally that men take typically take early exits because on some level, they really do think and believe that they can help protect and guide the family so much better from heaven than if they were to stay in the limited three-dimensional way. And so I think every living person would disagree, but <laughs> there is this, especially the older generations where they did feel more, um, the man was sort of that role of protection to me and my reality, women are beyond even more protective than the men. That's just my experience. That's not true for everybody, but for sure in my work, I've seen so many men just, they really do feel like they can protect and they do, they really do wage spiritual battles. They really do you know, work like hell to guide and protect. Like I said, my grandfather passed away when my mom was eight. Her oldest sister was 22, having literally her first child in the other hospital room while her father was crossing over. And their youngest was four. So lots of reasons for him to stay, but we really don't have sickness in that family. We really don't have death. We don't have really these massive profound things and I personally give that credit to my grandfather who whatever his belief system is or was it it's worked he's done a fabulous job keeping us all safe um, against a lot of stubborn people which you know I'll raise my hand uh, in that category so they especially fathers but they're you know often people have mothers that took those early exit points there there is a love often it's a, a surrender of love that if i'm 
crossed over. I can still be with you. I can be with you in every moment. I can be with you wherever you are. Okay. And they contracted that exit point with you. And so there's an understanding that if I leave you at 12, you still will really be okay in the big scheme of things. You're going to be okay. And I will be there with you. Um, also it's again, if they take that exit point, there's an understanding. You agreed before you came into body. They agreed before they came into body. Everybody will be okay. And that's one of the more powerful messages people need to hear. Because so many are like, I wasn't okay. Like this happened and that happened. And mom married this other guy that hurt me and hit me. And for sure on, on lots of human levels, especially when we don't understand exit points, when we just, we that exit point just we take that exit point of our loved ones and let it destroy us um, us or our parents let it destroy them and then dark things sort of came in absolutely that can happen it does happen and you know when we're writing our live chart we're in a space of peace and purity and heaven high vibration we also we you know can kind of forget what it's like being in this three dimension um this the horror that that can look like but nonetheless we sort of agree on these exit points with the expectation that as a soul even if something bad quote unquote does happen it's for your soul growth that's another conversation that's an important conversation because i too would fight that and argue with that point and that is definitely a conversation that we will have in the future in future podcasts but to sort of simplify the complex they took that exit point out of love, okay? Um, even if we would prefer them to have stayed into their whatever 80s or 90s. And the third real true reality is they are still there with you. Now, I know there's some a portion of people that are like, I don't want them around me. I don't, <laughs> you know, I wish they'd taken an early exit point. That's kind of not the conversation we're having right now, but I can sense several of you like <laughs> good riddance. But People pay good money to go to mediums to typically ask why, why the early exit? Why did they leave me so young? Um, these are usually reasons people come to me and my work. And so let's go ahead and just talk about maybe the four, these are the more four profound um, senses, patterns, energies that come up if you are at a, an exit point. And I think the easier way to explain an exit point is if we say, okay, maybe why our loved ones at an exit point. Sometimes it's way easier, for, uh, easier for us to understand that why it's bad if our loved one passes away versus us. So it's just it's a very different vibe. So I'll teach you through the exploration of when your loved one is at an exit point. So like I said, the very first way that you can have a knowing that there's an exit point is you have a feeling, right? I, I would simplify it as your guides will tell you you're being guided. Um, you know, God will tell you, the guides will tell you, your grandma will tell you, like somebody's letting you know there's an exit point coming. And they, the better refined our intuition is, the more time they'd give you to prepare for things like that. So like I knew I needed to move back home like a year before I really needed to. So they gave me lots of time to start the transition in my life to be able to be there for my grandmother's exit point. Like I said, the best I could do at the time was say, I just felt like I needed to be here, which would be clairsentience. I was feeling was how I was getting the messages. Looking back though, I would hear my guide and I would see images of like my grandma's funeral of that kind of knowing. So there's different ways our clairs, our intuition is giving us that guidance, that feedback, that 
okay, there's something going on here. Um, the second thing is you could be, um, well, the second thing about an exit point is that you are guided throughout it. Like I said, you can be guided to say the right thing. Like I said, um, for my son, I had to make sure the way I communicated with him was like, you're going to do amazing things in life. A life is amazing. Life is beautiful. We are going to do fun trips as a family. Like I'm planting seeds for him to stay for his own sake. Where at my grandmother's exit point, the guidance would have been, let her know that you need her. Let her know you love her. Cry, um, you know, do all the behaviors you need to, to bring out that motherliness of her, because that is literally her only reason. That's her reason for being here. She was a mother through and through. And as her children were so much older now and had their own families, she just didn't see a reason to be here. So that guidance would have been totally opposite for that chapter and in somebody's exit point. So the guidance can give you what to say, what to do, how to behave. Um, you know, like I was guided to let my husband stay the night with my son, like, ah, truly stuff you don't want to hear. But if, if the benefit is your child stays because there was a bonding that took place throughout the night, you know, you do it again over and over. You do whatever it took. And if what it took was to get out of the room, boy, you need guidance and support to not be so selfish that you completely do the opposite of what the moment calls for, right? Just for obvious reasons, for out of love, out of fear, out of all the things that come up through our loved one's exit points. So like I said, the third one is there, there does need to be a reason for them to stay. Um, and your guidance can help you speak to them the way they need to be spoken to. I kind of covered that just so I got excited and ahead of myself on the second step. But the third step is the same. There needs to be a reason for us to stay. You know, why go through sometimes, you know, especially as we get older, there's like more things go wrong with the body and that's not fun. And we get sick more and we break more. And like, why would you want to stay longer for that? Some people, you know, some people don't mind that. They get lots of attention and affection and it's fabulous. But some of, some people are like, why would I go through that? Well, there, there is, there's, there's more reasons to stay. There's more lessons. There's more love. There's more, um, you know, maybe the youngest one needs to know who you are. So the fourth step or experience, or I should have refined that a little bit more, but <laughs> the conversation of, of exit points is vast and complicated. And I am trying to sort of refine it to make it more manageable for our minds to understand the concept. The fourth is to, to find the acceptance of the realities of the exit point. When we do understand with our logical brains and we, cause again, like the soul knows, the soul knows that we agreed on this moment, we agreed we would be okay after the, you know, if you took the exit point. And so there's there to accept it, really practice working with the mind and the heart to really honor and accept it, even in the most like, you know, the one, the ones in early in my profession, I just couldn't even take people that lost children. Cause I just, I could not answer that in, cause it was never sufficient, certainly. And my children were so young, all I could do was see my, my own children in the faces of my clients. So it is the acceptance of it. Um, the, the, even the people I have worked with that have lost children, beautiful, profound things come from that. And I know I have an attitude like there's nothing that would ever be equivalent of that. But there are 
these families that have to go through that, they do tend to do amazing, beautiful things with the experience of an exit point for their loved one. So as we wrap up, let's just talk about the three ways to know when you're experiencing an exit point. So the first is like, again, like we, we have covered these in a way, but I want to be really direct here. The first way is that you are being guided. Like I was guided, move home. Um, you get feelings, you get feelings like your mother's health is going down or, um, your father's knee needs to be checked, right? Cause he's going to fall down. Cause that's kind of what he's been doing. You kind of know that. So you are being guided when there's an exit point coming. Maybe you keep worrying about somebody's car. Like I keep wanting to tell you to fix the brakes, to be careful. You know, you're getting sort of the energy of what maybe is to come through the exit point. Number two is there's this, there's, okay, this is how I'm going to say it. Uh, but uh, okay, I'm going to say it this way. You have a sense of like dread or death. And, and more times than not, it's the exit point that you're experiencing that is a metaphorical. So there's like, you know, that sense of dread or death can also be like things are coming to an end and things will change afterwards. Like you can be called metaphorically to do better, do different, let something go, stop doing that, start doing this. So often those feelings, especially some of us that have, it has to kind of get kind of to the darker side before we even pay attention to sort of that we're, we're in tuning into an exit point. There's this real sense of, of death, like something is going to end. Um, and that takes us to the third is you, how do you know if you're experiencing an exit point again for yourself or your loved one is there's this knowing on a soul level that everything's going to change. You're going to have to be different on the other side of it. So like in my, uh, my, my son's situation, my husband was different. Therefore, after, after he finally bonded with his son, the way that they needed to, um, for it to make it worth his effort to stay as a soul. Um, so everything was different after that going through that exit point i as a mother became more trusting in heaven that you know trusting in my son that he didn't take it so i how i changed was i became more trusting um and so you're going to be different you know maybe the maybe your mom goes through an exit point and you become a better daughter or maybe she goes through an exit point and you realize you actually need to start separating from her in a more healthy way because there's been like um, crippling codependency that's never been good for you and it won't be good for you unless you start to really heal and get some new skills um, that you are learning because maybe you went through an exit point that she didn't take. So your future with her before she takes her final one can just be better or your life can be better now and you won't have to wait. A lot of people wait for their parents to die before they decide to have better lives. <sighs> this breaks my heart when I hear people say that. I understand why. I mean, I see stuff. I know stuff. I'm here for a lot of dark stuff for myself and for my clients. So I understand that as a human, but there's so much we can do before waiting till the actual finality of death to be happy and live the lives that we're called to live right now. So, wow, I know this was a heavy conversation. I know most people don't want to talk about death, but I feel like it's a much more beautiful time to talk about it 
in preparation and in building muscles and in building maturity around the human experience when we're not dealing with it. <laughs> I can have this conversation with you and giggle right now because nobody I know is going through an exit point right now. You know, it's not on my heart. Um, it's not right here on my chest. So I can be clear and have this conversation with you where it's rational enough that hopefully you can take a few points that we've talked about today, start implementing them, start assimilating them, integrating them so that when these moments come up for you, it's not going to just knock you off your feet and you can't think, feel, um, and let alone be conscious through the exit point, which again, through my grandmother's exit point was just truly one of the most beautiful times in my life. Um, that nothing can really compare to those five days with my family and with my grandmother and her giving us the beauty of time to really, you know, know that she's not going to be here, um, in the next couple of days. And her passing was by far one of the hardest ones for me. I've had several people I love I'm very close to, pass away but because she was like my mother figure it was really unbearable and she was my anchor um, to everything I'd known up to that point so okay so take some deep breaths maybe deep breaths lots of grounding maybe even visualizing a white light coming from heaven 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 way 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 high coming down feeling the top of your head your shoulders your body, your back, your tummy, your legs, your feet, kind of letting a white light flow through you before you sort of kind of get back to it after this deep conversation that we had. And maybe as you put that white waterfall on you, maybe go ahead and put your hand over your heart and just give it a couple of good rubs to let you know that, that you're okay. Okay. So I'll talk to you next week. Until then, take care. If you're interested in finding out which is the strongest Claire in you, go to my website at katesaintclair.com and take the quiz, which Claire are you? Until next time, remember, it's your birthright to be guided and be great.